Hello, one and all, and welcome to the podcast we call The Fantastival, with myself, Steve Nussbaum, in the podcast, where I invite my guests to come on, talk to me all about their musical tastes, memories, experiences, stories, and they get to create their fantasy festivals, which I have christened Fantastivals. This is episode number 54, flying through the episodes now. I must say a big thank you to my last guest, acoustic singer-songwriter Perry Manning. In one of the shortest episodes so far, only 32 minutes, it was very short, but it was very sweet. A fantastic guest and a fantastic singer-songwriter, so check him out if you haven't done so already. So 54th episode, another guest. So let me introduce this gent. I've never met him before, came into contact with him through the podcast. I've been watching videos of him all week, uh, sensational on the drums. It's session and touring drummer. It's Mr. Joe Lazarus. Hey man, how's it going? Great. It's great to have you on the podcast. Welcome to the Fantastival Joe, mate, I always check in with guests. Uh, first thing I do, it's been a crazy year and a bit now. Mate, how's the last year and a bit been for you? Oh, it's been just a whirlwind, really. I mean, it's like, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I am count myself lucky, you know. I, uh, I've managed to get through it all and, you know, a lot of people have struggled, have had no help at all and, like, you know, I've, I've managed to sort of get through it. But it's been such a crazy time hasn't it for everyone i mean everyone everyone's been affected by this everything you know every single person like so it's it's been super bizarre but i said to you like you know i've you know managed to get through it and uh and things seem to seem to be sort of picking up again now so towards the end of the year i'm getting quite busy again so that's that's uh good good to know it's exciting so um yeah hopefully things can start getting back to normal pretty soon fingers crossed fingers crossed so i kind of mentioned you as a session touring drummer through reading mm bits about you there's a lot more to you than just session touring drummer so tell us a bit more about the man and the myth behind joe lazarus well basically just um i grew up uh, with music in my family like i grew up with like well rock in my family like my my uncle plays bass in iron maiden so uh i grew up watching him and you know maiden play a lot when i was a kid and um i yeah when i was like four years old i I saw, uh, I went around the back of the drummer's uh, drum kit at a gig and um remember just seeing him like, play and just being like, oh my God, that's that looks so fun. I want to do that. That's what I want to do. So I um, asked for a drum kit for my fifth birthday and then uh, I got one, thankfully, thanks to some supportive parents, thankfully. But uh, yeah, and then I was away. That was it. I was just, you know, just taught myself and just, like, you know, just got involved really and just kind of uh, watched, watched the main drummer a lot and studied him and... And, uh, and he's been great to me over the years as well. Like really, really great guy, really nice guy. He's, he's sorted me out a lot and and stuff. And then um, yeah, and then uh, sort of later years, yeah, I just sort of um, fell into the the session thing really, which is what I've always wanted to do, do it for a living and everything. So yeah, so that's you know, and it's uh, taken me to some some cool places, and I'm very grateful for it. You know. I'm so lucky every day that I get to do that for a living. So I'm very grateful for it. So you've been drumming since you were five. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing stories, and been doing massive rock shows as well. By the sounds of it, since you were since you were a nipper. Well, I mean, like, well, watching them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, I didn't, um, I didn't turn professional until I was twenty six. Um, so about seven years now. But uh, but yeah, like you know, since then, yeah, I've been doing lots of touring, lots of recording, and you know, it's all been it's all been great. So um, work seems to be keep coming in. So can't can't complain. So, yeah. And you have a YouTube channel as well that I've seen. Which I do. Is, 
which is tell us about your YouTube channel. How did that come about, and, and what's kind of the aim of it? Well, basically, at the start of um, what happened was I I was in a band called In Heaven that were like you know signed to a major label and stuff, and we did quite a lot of touring with like, about three three or four years with that band. And then when that band disbanded, because uh, I was like um, I was on like a like a wage with them. I was kind of like a session drummer, but not. I was in the band, but I was kind of just like you know, just kind of in between. And then we the band split up, and then I just thought to myself, you know, what? I just want to. Uh, I spent like so much time touring and not really playing, like just playing for me. I was playing in the band, you know, which is great fun, obviously doing all the touring of him. But I wasn't playing. So I, I grew up playing all my favourite songs, you know, all the time. So. Um, so I decided to uh, just go into the studio and just record myself playing all my favourite drum tunes, really, and, and and videoing them just for just for a laugh, really, just to you know see what happens. And um, then I, yeah, I started a YouTube channel and and the Instagram thing and all that, and it kind of I started getting some like half decent following, and then yeah, I don't know, really, kind of just snowballed from there. I didn't really go set out to do it, you know, like that. It just kind of just happened, you know. Brilliant. So um, yeah. And in, in terms of like you mentioned, you've toured a lot. What kind of what? Where have you been, and who have you toured with? Well, so so yeah, in that band in heaven, we did a lot of touring. I did a lot of touring with them. I did an extensive uh, American and Canadian tour with them. Been to Europe a few times. I haven't, I haven't been to Japan or Australia yet, but I've done a lot of the Europe and the Western side. Like um, I went to Mexico to play with the Foo Fighters, which was cool. Done some like cool cruise uh, cruise ship things with a, a, an artist called uh, Tara Lynch um, uh, in America. She's from LA, so I play with her quite a lot. And I did actually I supported Maiden for three months in Europe as well with my my other band Voodoo Six. We supported them for um, yeah playing like football stadiums and arenas all around Europe for three months, which was pretty amazing as well. So yeah, just like tons of stuff really, which is yeah when you've kind of lay it all out like that, you don't usually do that very often, but when you do, you're like, oh, yeah, it's done some great... <laughs> Sounds amazing. Sounds absolutely phenomenal. So you've mentioned rock music. Is that predominantly what you listen to mostly, or are, is there another genre of music you listen to? Um, to be honest with you, I, I used to... I grew up basically just listening to Maiden all yeah. the time. I, no other bands existed to me. It was just like <laughs> that. It was like, I was just so, like, you know on it but um but now i've got quite a eclectic um taste i mean you have to be to be a session drummer really because you're not always going to be playing rock music you can be playing different stuff so you need to kind of have you know lots of feathers in your hat as such so uh so yeah i listen to all, all sorts of different stuff really but yeah primarily i i'm a rock fan yeah of course that's where i come from really so is there any think at the moment that you're listening to whether that's new or anything old so i've been i mentioned perry manning his albums on spotify listening to that he had elton okay. john as his headliner which has made me go a bit back into the elton john archives not like the commercial stuff like the early yeah. 70s stuff if you bloody hell he was oh, yeah. doing some amazing stuff in the early 70s definitely yeah and again that's that he had quite a lot of rock stuff back then right. yeah more more rock stuff and there's the uh it's the, well, i can't remember the name of the album now my favorite album is his, i'm not very good with titles it's like the fantastic something it's like a got quite an elaborate album cover i can't remember the name of it now but that album is is amazing i love that album of his but what am i been listening to um there's a really cool australian band called boy and bear who i've been listening to a lot um they're kind of like a bit folky a bit indie folky they sound like what do they sound like they sound a bit like fleetwood max slash the verve slash like Crosby, Stills and Nash and Simon and Garfunkel and like they're 
kind of you know more classic vibe but they're they're really cool kind of in a con- more contemporary packaging you know such they're a really cool band so i've been listening to them a lot look forward to checking those bo- those boys out sound sound really good so let, let me take you back joe let me take you back a few years where you've got a bit of money in your pocket you've finally listen to other bands other than Maiden or it might even be Maiden potentially do you remember like buying your first album and what it was oh yeah definitely I mean I've luckily I've never had to buy a Maiden album so it was uh, my first album I ever bought was What's the Story Morning Glory by Oasis on cassette amazing Um, and crazy story about that is that fast forward how old was I how old have I been I don't know 10 or 11 or something so fast forward 15 years I was recording in the very studio that they recorded that in, in Rockfield in Wales, which is a really famous studio where like Queen recorded Bohemian Rhapsody and, you know, uh, yeah, Oasis recorded there, Coldplay recorded Parachutes there. Oh, it's an amazing studio. Uh, so, yeah, they, they recorded that album there and then uh, that was my very first album that I bought. So that was quite special when we were recording there. So Yeah, that was the album. That was the album that kind of broke me and my mates out of like Now, the Now compilations and took us yeah. into like Cool World and then you're in like a completely different like stratosphere great album glad you mentioned that one so festival wise then are you a big festival goer are you not so much a festival goer um i do i do like going to festivals i mean luckily my like line of work i get to go to a lot because i play quite a lot of them so it's uh that's i've been very lucky enough to to play some cool festivals like glastonbury and reading and leeds and Isle of Wight and you know stuff like that but I mean I'm not a very good camper though I'm not I'm not good at camping I mean I, I like the idea of it if it's done properly you know if you get all the gear proper everything done but you never do you know like I, I, I just wouldn't use it enough so I like um I like my creature comforts I like uh I like a shower and a bed so I like a hotel room as opposed to uh camping but but I do love the vibe of a festival don't get me wrong like being there seeing all the bands and and everything so and a good thing about being a session drummer is that I did a session. I did a session for a band in Nashville called uh, King Nun. And being the session guy, because I wasn't in the band, when we turned up, the management were like, "Oh, um, the band have got to go down, do do a bunch of press now in a hot, sweaty tent, and you can just go and enjoy the festival for a bit." Because obviously, I wasn't in the band, so I just was like, oh, "This is great. Just wander around the festival for a bit, you know, <laughs> check out some bands, come back when they need me." You know, it was great. I was like, oh, "Yeah, I get used to this." <laughs> That's brilliant. Yeah. Do, you, do you have any festivals in particular that stand out for you? I think everyone always mentions Glastonbury as being the festival, but is there any kind of is is that the festival for you, or is there a smaller one you prefer? Um, I'd say it's it's hard to beat uh, Glastonbury. I mean, it's just like the way it's run, the whole vibe of it. There's no like sometimes you can go to a festival and. I don't know. You, you feel a bit. Un- you can feel a bit uncomfortable, or like there's. You can. Go- the best thing about Glastonbury is you can go there and not watch a single band and have the time of your life because there's just so much to do. It's such a big, vast festival. There's so much to do there. Um, it is amazing. I mean, there's a festival in Spain called Primavera, which is very similar. Not like size wise, but the vibe. Like everyone's just really cool. Like you could just go up to anyone and just make friends with people. Like mm. there's people just like sat about with you know round a fire playing acoustic songs, and you just go and sit there and yeah, I don't know. It's just a certain vibe with those kind of festivals, which is just like you know you just like everyone's all one. I know it sounds really like corny and cliche, but it's true. So yeah. And what about gigs? Have you got any kind of gigs that stand out for you in memory? And this could be like you playing as a drummer, like having a gig, or as a music fan where you've stood there watching going, this is amazing, spellbinding. 
Um, oh, wow, that's a good question. Well, actually, something I'm looking at at the moment is uh, quite special to me. I've, I've got a photo up here of me when I played the O2 Arena in London, and that was quite special because, like, like that was on the Maiden tour. And uh, I'll show you the thing. That's the photo. I think you can see that. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So, like, um, it was the end of the tour, and that, that, weirdly enough, it was the smallest show on the whole tour, like, capacity-wise, but it meant the most to me because I'd seen so many bands play there before, so it meant more to me, even though, like, obviously, we've been playing some great, like, we played, like, the Friends Arena in uh, Stockholm, which was where England played Sweden, and Ibrahimovic scored that ridiculous oh, yeah. over a kick. <laughs> we played there, which was amazing. It's like 70,000 people or something, but because I'd never been there before, and it was just this like crazy big space, I, it obviously was incredible. But the O2 Arena, obviously, I'd seen so many bands there, so that was really special. Yeah, the show when I, I played for a band called Circle Waves in Mexico with the Foo Fighters, that was really cool because Foo Fighters are just the most amazing band ever. Uh, and then we saw them from the side of the stage, which was one of the best gigs I've ever seen as well. So, I mean, I don't want to bore you. I could probably list off quite a few, but I'd, yeah, yeah, those two are pretty special to me. I can think of. Did you get to meet the Foo Fighters? And if you did, is Dave Grohl the nicest man in rock, as um, everyone says? He I is? can confirm he is. Yes, absolutely. He's a lab, yeah, absolute gent. Really nice guy. That's just good to hear. All, all the gossips are true. <laughs> That's great to hear. So, like I said at the start of this podcast, the aim of the pod is getting our guests to collate their fantasy festivals. So Joe would get to choose any five acts, one of whom must play one of their studio albums in full, plus an encore, which all five acts can perform together at the end of Joe's Fantastival. So it's very simple. Five acts take five time slots. So for example, in the last episode of the Fantastival podcast, had Perry Manning on, he collated his PTM Fantastival, taking place at the Oval which is the home of Bedworth United Football Club. So we get some strange locations here, Joe. We don't really go Premier League rounds. We've been to Val Park. We've been to Boundary Park. We've been to the Oval. Um, I don't think we've been Premier League yet, um, but I could be wrong. In his opening slot, he had Motley Crue. In his super second slot, he had Pearl Jam and selected them to play their album 10. In his Midway Madness slot, he picked Skunk and Nancy, who made their fantastical debut. In his pre-headline slot, he had David Bowie, who made his eighth fantastical appearance. And in his headline slot, making his first ever appearance at a fantasy festival on this podcast, was Elton John, after 53 episodes. And for his encore, he picked his own song for them all to play, which I no. commend him for doing that. He picked his own song called Sophie. Which is okay. great. So thank you to Perry for doing that. So Joe, let's go for your fantasy festival then. Very important question. First up, what are you going to call your fantasy festival? I'll have to call it Lazfest. <laughs> I like it. It's pretty fitting, right? It's absolutely fitting. So you said before we started recording that you're a West Ham fan, and I almost turned off my zoom and all my recording and said sorry joe um but i didn't so you can take us to the olympic stadium if you want to you can take us to upton park if you want to go back you can take us to the o2 you can take us to mexico where you play with the Foo fighters you can take us anywhere you like you can take us anywhere we'll follow you joe so where are you going to hold your fantasy festival you know what? i would like to, i would like it to be upton park because I, I used to go there obviously so much as, as a kid and like watching my stands since i was like six or seven or something even though it's obviously rubble right now or well, i don't know what's i mean if it's been built on yet or whatever but um yeah back in time i'd definitely i'd have it at upton park 100 percent. okay so we're going to upton park so another football ground 
and the home of the former home of West Ham United. There's no uh, there's no prejudices here, Joe. We're all good friends. We can go to Upton Park. Not a problem. I'll follow you there. I'll grip my teeth as we walk in. It'll be all good. <laughs> so before we start talking about bands who've made your fantasy festival, I'm quite aware to get to five acts. It's pretty difficult. It's a pretty tough one to do. Yeah. Are there any bands that you want to mention who you know you've played with or you've listened to loads who for some reason or other just haven't been able to make it into your fantasy festival lineup? Yeah, so there's a band who I absolutely love, and I actually play for the guitar player, the, the live guitar player. I play for his solo project in this band, and they're an amazing band called Biffy Clyro. Such a, an amazing band. Didn't quite make it into my five bands but uh i love that band so much and like they're one of the first bands i heard like when i was like 14 15 you know when you hear something that just blows your mind there's something you've never heard before and it just kind of goes you just kind of go oh my god what is this like this is incredible that was that band for me uh and yeah so the the live guitar player mike venart i play for him i tour with him and record with him Mike Venart's actually been uh, selected for a Fantastival uh, a few episodes ago, or Ocean Size did, and that led me to listen to Ocean Size for the first time, who were bloody good, actually, to be fair. Amazing, amazing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so And Ocean Size, funnily enough, are in my top five. So. Oh, so we'll come to that. No spoilers. Biffy Clyro, yeah. if anyone... Yeah. People who have listened to this podcast since episode one will know that Biffy Clyro last year was by far, by far... By far away, my album of the year last year. Amazing, yeah. untouchable that album last year. No, <laughs> nothing got near it on my um on my Spotify. Nothing. I agree. I agree. Great album. All right. So yeah. Biffy Clyro haven't made it. Biffy Clyro still never selected for a fantastical. So Mon the Biff will have to wait another week until they get selected at least for another fantastical. All right. <laughs> so let's crack on in. We're all at Upton Park, begrudgingly, but we're we're there. I'm there. I'm smiling. Las Fest sold out. It's a lovely sunny day. Everyone's buzzing. It's two o'clock. Time for the opening act to come out at Las Fest and open it up. So who's going to be your opening act, Joe? You know what? I'm going to be really controversial and have a really downbeat start. But <laughs> there's a singer-songwriter called Nick Drake who I absolutely love. And he never played any gigs, really. But he was amazing. And he like died young and he was like in the 70s. And the most like beautiful poetry like like lyrics and like the most amazing music ever bit of a troubled soul but um i've always wanted i'd love to have seen him play a gig and uh obviously i mean hardly anyone did because he played like two or three gigs in his whole life or something um so nick drake's gonna open up my uh, festival for sure and make everyone feel a bit melancholic and a bit down but never mind (laughs) (laughs) there's been a few opening acts like that so i know a bit of nick drake just through obviously working at hmv and obviously selling loads of albums but he didn't have that many albums either did he He was only like a few albums that he made he wasn't a prolific artist was he very very short-lived career yeah he was like i said he was a bit troubled i think he died of a drug overdose i think but he uh he was very depressed and like uh you kind of tell that but he just had the most haunting like voice and like the most i don't know he had this way of like betraying like such incredible emotion for his music um much like the second act which will, will be also kind of similar but um yeah so uh yeah amazing song singer songwriter but yeah unfortunately yeah i think he only did two three albums max yeah. maybe and an ep maybe but yeah just a real shame that you know there's no footage of him playing any gigs ever there's nothing of him playing live nothing nothing exists 
That's crazy. If you were around today, you'd get like little snippets here or there on YouTube or whatever would appear in it. Exactly. So. Exactly, yeah. Crazy time. So Nick Drake makes his fantastical debut. He takes your opening slot. He plays from two to three at Last Fest. We'll take a half hour break, then it'll be time for our super second slot. Um, and this act will play for an hour from half three to half four. So, Joe, who's taking up your super second slot? It uh, will be Jeff Buckley. Oh, brilliant. So Jeff Buckley hasn't been selected for a fantastical before. He's been mentioned a few times, and there was a few right. pods where I was certain he'd be included by our guests, but he was overlooked. So Jeff Buckley... I mean, Grace is just perfection. It really is. That album, like, just from start to finish, just absolute perfection. There's very little, very few albums that you could have, like, every song is absolutely perfect, and, like, there's no, there's nothing you would change. It's just absolutely just... <laughs> stupendous so yeah he has to he has to go on that for sure and again another artist who unfortunately died quite young and again not met not, not much output from him really exactly yeah i mean he died whilst he was writing the second album so yeah pretty much just one, one album and a few extra few extra songs other than that but yeah a real shame again what a waste what a waste yeah, totally. So Jeff Buckley takes your super second slot. He'll play for an hour. He'll play from half three to half four. We'll take half hour break. That'll take us up to our midway madness point from five till six. So, Joe, who's going to play in your midway madness slot? I'm going all out rock here with Led Zeppelin. Oh, Led Zeppelin. So the classic rockers, Led Zeppelin. They've been selected for a few fantasy festivals before. So why, so why, why Zeppelin? Well, um, Zeppelin were one of the bands that, so when I, when people started telling me when I was like 14, 15, you can't just listen to Maiden, you've got to listen to other stuff, you can't just, you know, you've got, there's other bands that exist, you know. <laughs> they were one of the bands that like Steve, my uncle Steve and my dad and stuff showed, like said, like, check out this band, like they're really, really good, you know. Uh, and they like influenced Steve back in the day and stuff. So, um, and yeah, so I heard Babe, I'm going to leave you. Oh, great uh, track. See, that, see, for me, that's like one of their best tracks. And when you think of Zeppelin, yeah. that isn't one that would ultimately like spring to mind. But that's an awesome track. Incredible song. Incredible song. I heard, heard that for the first time. And I was like, oh, my God, this is just incredible. So, um, yeah, and I was just hooked. And then I she just delved in and then just listened to everything. And, like, you know, they're just, yeah, amazing. band. again, John Bonham, the drummer, huge influence on me, massive influence on me. Like he, I mean, if you're a rock drummer, if you're a rock guy, he is the he is the the bible for drums, you know. So, and they've only got an hour to play for you. So, are you gonna have a like an early era zep or a late era, or are you gonna try and mix it all in? Because an hour will fly by. They can't be doing none of these extended jams. No, 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 none of that, none of that. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Like, yeah, I mean, obviously, stuff of the first two's records are great, and then you know, Led Zeppelin Four. Got some stuff on there. I mean, my favourite album is Physical Graffiti, which was a later one. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's just amazing songs on there. Custard Pie and Cashmere in My Time of Dying is a great song. The Wonton song, like that, that album is just <laughs> phenomenal album. Great album. So we've stepped up a gear now. So Led Zeppelin take your midway madness not They're gonna play for an hour. They're gonna play from five till six. So we'll take another half hour break. Two acts left to go. So you get time for your pre-headline act. They're gonna get slightly longer. They're gonna get half six. To eight o'clock. So, Joe, who's going to take up your pre-headline act slot? It's going to be Ocean Size. So I know. So I only know a little bit about Ocean Size due to my previous one of my previous guests, Ben Eastwood, who picked Ocean Size, and then I get each guest to give me like a few songs for a playlist, 
And so he gave me two ocean-sized songs, and I thought they were really good. A bit similar to Biffy, but different enough to Biffy. Yeah. Uh, Which thought, ones were they? Uh, I got no idea. I will tell you no. shortly when I have a look. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But why? But why? Why ocean-sized? Then is it? Just... Well, um, so they again like Biffy Clyro, but like times a million. So I, I went to. I wouldn't know them if it wasn't for Biffy Clyro. So there's a weird connection like there with them because like because ocean-sized are friendly with Biffy and they used to tour with them a lot and I went to see Biffy Clyro play at the Astoria in London sometime when I was like 17 or something and Oceanside opened up for them and I don't even remember Biffy Clyro set that night because Oceanside just completely blew me away just like I, I've never never seen a band before that I that had just done that to me which kicked my face clean off I was just like I immediately need to go home and just get their back catalogue you know they just I don't know they just did something to me they hit they hit something in me and I just really resonated with me and uh, I immediately just became super fan and then again weird things happen in life like I fast forward like I don't know eight years I'm now like like really good friends with the singer who and i play which was obviously mike vernon who now plays with biffy clyro now i now play for him and record for him and tour with him so it's, and we play oceanside songs so it's just like just like i saw this band i was like, oh my god this is amazing i love to play in a band like this and then i end up playing with the singer <laughs> so it's uh weird that's amazing how did that come about then in terms of how you hooked up with Mike, is it was it just a mutual friendship, or was he looking for a drummer and got in well, contact? No, so basically, I met him when he was still in Ocean Size, oh. and my old band got a support slot with them one night, r- random support slot, and we met, and we just hit it off, and then he ended up actually producing my band's EP because uh, he he liked the band, and uh, we got friendly. And then it kind of just grew from there. Like he came into the studio, obviously with us, and then like just came even more friendly. Then we did a tour with them. We did a three week tour in Europe with with Ocean Size, um, and then yeah, and then I then he asked me to record a side project with with him with another ba- number another member of Ocean Size, and then I yeah then I did a uh, then he then he joined Biffy Clyro, uh, and then he had like a solo thing going on, and then he asked me to play on that, and then to the tour. So it's kind of just yeah, kind of snowballed from supporting him once you know <laughs> that's amazing so the, the two tracks that um i've got is the charm offensive and the frame oh, yeah. the frame that um we were given and to. the frame yes yeah two amazing tracks yeah yeah so that's the first track off everyone's position and the last track off frames yeah amazing amazing albums yeah i look forward to hearing a bit more and more about him um yeah. more of them i'll give you some suggestions definitely because there's tons there's like a rabbit hole tunes you can listen to there's just so many amazing songs i've got sounds awesome so oceanside make their second appearance on the fantastical podcast they take yes. joe's suit they take joe's pre-headline slot they'll play for an hour and a half till eight so four acts down one act left the headline act is going to get two and a half hours to close out las fests joe who are you going to choose for your headline act uh okay so this is going to be quite obvious for me but it has to be iron maiden I thought it. I thought it may have been Maiden. I didn't want to make any wild presumptions and show myself up. So Maiden. There's no other band. It has to be them. Believe it or yeah. not, I Maiden's first ever appearance in a Fantastival after 54 episodes. Really? Yeah, yes, they've, they've been mentioned a lot. I think a lot of people will see them as not being able to be anything other than a headline act. So they always get mentioned yeah. as an almost headline act because no one wants to put them as an open act because. 
just right, don't think, okay. I just don't think yeah. you can put them lower down the bill, even though it's a fantasy festival and people can do what they want. No one wants yeah. to put Maiden low on the bill. Keep it authentic, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so why Maiden? Obviously, you have your first Maiden experience, like you said, in your four and five. You're obviously yeah. very like friendly with, with the drummer himself, Nico, and the, your uncle's the bloody bassist of uh, I Maiden, which doesn't happen to many people. So, so yeah, yeah, why Maiden? Well, I mean, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be a drummer. It's as simple as that, you know. If it weren't for them, I wouldn't be into music as, uh, be passionate about music as much as I am. And uh, I owe everything to them, you know, as a band and, and Steve. I owe everything to Steve and Nico, the drummer. Like, uh, and I am, it's, it's weird because, like, it's not just because of Steve being my uncle. I'm actually a huge fan. You know, I'm actually a massive fan. It's like I'm a fan like everyone else, like, well, every other Maiden fan anyway. Um, so, and I, you know, I'm the only person in the family who's like really into them, you know, like, oh, really? um, people <laughs> like them and stuff, and they obviously like them, but I'm actually a, like, a proper fan, I listen to them all the time and stuff, you know, so, um, and they're, the, yeah, like I said, they're the reason that I, you know, I'm a, I'm a drummer and I, you know, that's, that's all I can do, you know, that's the only thing I can do, I know it sounds, like, again, cliche, but, you know, I really believe it's just like, that's, that was my one thing I needed to do in this life, and it's like, because of them, so, they have to take that slot, and uh, and like I said, seen them a million times, and I'll, I'll I'll happily see them a million more. You know, like they're just an amazing live band, incredible band. So they get two and a half hours, which is a decent amount of time at a festival. But obviously, Maiden can eat into that very quickly because they've got such a wide depth of catalogue. What would they for you? Is there a certain era, or is there a certain album tracks that you would want to hear? What would you want to hear? Wow, uh, that's I mean, bloody hell. Uh, <laughs> That's 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 hard. Uh, I mean, my I remember Steve, actually. Funny enough, I remember Steve uh, driving me back from a West Ham game uh, once, uh, and it was like, he said to me, "What's your what's your favorite Maiden? Uh, what's your favorite Maiden album?" And I was like, "All of them." And he was like, just like laughed, he kind of thing. <laughs> and I, when I actually did think about it, it has to be there's a, there's an album called Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, which like means a lot to me because in a few different ways. So that was. The year that album came out, I was born, and my very first gig, I was uh, nine months old, um, and it was Donington Monsters of Rock, nineteen eighty-eight. So, oh, wow. uh, which was the crazy lineup. So Guns and Roses opened up, and there was like uh, David Lee Roth from Van Halen and, and, and Kiss, and then Maiden, um, and uh, so it's the old download basically. Yeah. And that was my first gig. Obviously, I don't remember it. I was only nine months old, but it was that album tour that they did that. And then when I did the tour with, when I supported Maiden for three months in Europe, they did a remake of that tour. So it was basically the same set as it was the year I was born, you know, and we, I supported on that tour. So kind of everything kind of seemed to align, you know, uh, and it is an amazing album. Like the song itself, the title track, Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, is just mind-blowing, just absolutely incredible piece of music. That's amazing uh, it all comes together. So yeah, that whole album yeah and then and you know plus plus some more i guess yeah but but yeah plenty of plenty to choose from with maiden that's the thing a lot to choose from i've got a feeling with iron maiden fans that i guess a bit like springsteen fans and bowie fans it's going to be hard to please everyone because always everyone's got their own perfect set list of what they would want to hear that's right and they play for like two hours or two and a bit hours and it's like and the, some of the songs are so long some of the songs are nine ten minutes long you know so like most bands can get three songs in that you know so, but, yeah. Brilliant stuff. So Iron Maiden make their fantastical debut. They close Los Fe Las Fest 
So at 11 o'clock, Nick Drake's going to come back out on stage. Jeff Buckley, Zeppelin, Oceanside are going to join Maiden. They're all on your stage. They're all on the Upton Park stage. They're all going to get to play oh, one. Wow. They're all going to get to play one song. This is a really hard question, but I love asking it because it's a real. It's, a, it's just a conundrum of from anything to anything. So what? What would you have them all play if you could have them play one song together? I'm just trying to think of like a really euphoric song that could just that like oh, wow. It's probably cheesy, but I'm gonna go with like Purple Rain. <laughs> <laughs> Because of the end bit can just go on forever and ever and ever and like there's so much they can all these musicians can do with it and stuff and I know it's a pretty left field choice but um, I mean and I, I mean it's not like it's one of my favourite songs or anything I love the song don't get me wrong I love Prince but like I just think that all those musicians playing that song it would just be really powerful <laughs> I think and like, like at the end of the night just everyone wants this like huge song. And then they get Purple Rain. Come on. I, I think that will do well. I think Maiden playing the riff along with Jimmy Page, like at that end, they could probably like yeah, get their own, exactly. their own exactly. version of it. You could even have like, bub- I'm going to get all football-y here. So apologies to someone's <laughs> not into football. Your bubbles, like purple bubbles. Yeah. Up the park, man. yeah. <laughs> that's the stuff. That's, that's exactly, people will never forget that. People will definitely not forget that. So Purple Rain brings your Fantastival to a close. So I guess let's lock it in then. So you can still change your mind up until the point we lock it in. So we've got Lazfest taking place at Upton Park. Nick Drake's in your opening act slot. We've got Jeff Buckley in your super second slot. Led Zeppelin in your midway madness slot. Ocean Size, uh, your pre-headline act. And Iron Maiden headlining. What? We didn't really talk about an album. We spoke about albums. But do you want any of those acts to play an album at all? I'd say definitely Jeff Buckley, Grace. Grace, good shout. So Jeff Buckley will play his Grace album. And Fully Encore, they're all going to play Purple Rain. Joe, are you happy to lock that fantastical in? It's pretty decent Love festival. Love that bad boy down, yeah. <laughs> Great stuff. So I guess before we end the podcast in, what's next for you? You said like it's starting to ramp up. The UK, obviously, at the, as it stands anyway, from June the 21st, goes back to a certain amount of normality where gigs i presume come back on what what's the next couple of months look like for you what's in the pipeline so um i've got a few spot gigs got a couple of recordings i'm doing um doing a couple of albums uh for some for some acts uh and then things start getting a bit quite busy for me towards the end of the year so in september i'm going over to america and doing a tour over there at a festival with an artist called tara lynch um from l.a uh, but it's East Coast, so it's like Virginia and Carolinas and Georgia and basically just and Florida and stuff. And then I'm doing a tour with Mike Fennart in October. And then I've got, what else have I got? I've got another another tour in the pipeline that I can't mention yet in November. So, yeah, so there's, there's plenty going on towards the end of the year. I just need to kind of like get to that point, really. But, yeah, there's, there's bits and pieces until then. But, and that's when it starts getting pretty full on me and you just crossed youtube youtube channel still gonna be active on that is that something that you still plan to continue with absolutely yeah actually i did um i went up to my drum skin endorsers uh the company uh code i went up to their headquarters recently and recorded a bunch of drum videos like multi-cam stuff uh i, I did like, like seven or eight songs or something so they're all being edited at the moment so they're going to be posted like you know uh, at some point so yeah, there'll be plenty more content going up on there, and and uh, also I did a, a live live gig stream kind of thing in this like abandoned 
car warehouse place that's being edited as well so yeah there's plenty of stuff going on behind the scenes and there's plenty of content to come up so yeah just it'll, it'll, it'll be uh, up in due course great stuff and if anyone's listening and thinking Joe Lazarus sounds like a pretty sound guy how do I find him on social media how does one go around finding you on, on any social media channels yeah so just uh, so my name my Instagram handles uh, Joe Laz Drummer and like on Twitter is Joe Laz Drums I think and then yeah Joe Lazarus on on uh, YouTube you'll tend to find that's the good thing about having Lazarus as a surname is you kind of like when you type in that you you probably will find me it's you know you won't have to search too far you won't have to go to like page seven of google you know to find me <laughs> great stuff so that is it so thank you to everyone for listening to the 54th episode of the fantastical podcast and if you've enjoyed this and are listening on itunes subscribe give the pod a review or if you're listening on spotify or anchor give us a follow and do not forget to recommend this pod to all of your families and friends as well as Joe being on Twitter. We are also on Twitter so make sure you follow us at FantasticalP on Twitter and you can also email the pod at FantasticalPodcast at Outlook.com. Unfortunately on podcast you can't play music but however we can make Spotify playlists so I'll get some tracks from Joe. I'll whack him into a Spotify playlist and the playlist will be in your episode description. So as you're listening now scroll down there'll be a link to Spotify. Go and check out Joe's Fantastical playlist. So all it's left to say is a big thank you, uh, Joe. Thanks for coming on Fantastical Podcast. It's been great speaking to you. How, how have you found it, speaking all about kind of like your musical journey and doing your fantasy festival? Yeah, it's great. It's been great, man. Thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's, I, I, I love chatting about music and, and you know, all this kind of stuff. So it's, it's yeah, it's all, all really good. So yeah, I've really, really enjoyed it, actually. been a pleasure having you on. I wish you luck for the rest of the year. Um, and look Thanks forward to seeing what it holds for you so i'll be back soon with episode number 55 so please make sure to join me but until then stay safe my fantastical friends please continue to spread the word and that word is fantastical thanks for listening (laughs) 